From the Valley of the Sun in Phoenix, Arizona, welcome to episode 234 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. My name is Deacon Steve, and I'm a permanent deacon of the Diocese of Phoenix. It's hard to believe, but we're halfway through our Lenten journey. I hope and pray that you are at peace with yourself and with the Lord. If this Lent has gone well, keep it up. Keep it going. If not, don't give up, especially on yourself or on the Lord. Do not despair. Ask the Lord for the grace to die to self, the grace to know our sins, and to grow in holiness, the grace to persevere, even though it feels like we're not getting anywhere. Our Lord will answer these prayers, and by our openness in His grace, we will have a blessed Lent and a holy Easter. In episode 234 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast, we first discuss our saint of the week, Saint John of God, who went from a soldier and a sinner to a saint. We are here homily for the third Sunday of Lent as we listen to the account of Jesus as he prepares to enter the temple. In the segment, Catholics in the News, we will learn about a nun who survived COVID-19. In the segment, Truth in the Media, we will discover a nun preaching her love of Christ through art. In the segment entitled, I Don't Get It, I will try to understand an organization's definition of a hate group. Finally, during our Truth Topic of the Week, we will hear the truth from a recent survey of Catholic teenagers. All of this plus music from Aaron Hale and Friends Who Sings, I Need These Every Hour. This and more on episode 234 of What is Truth? Saint of the Week Having given up active Christian belief while a soldier, John was 40 years old before the depth of his sinfulness began to dawn on him. He decided to give the rest of his life to God's service and headed at once for Africa, where he hoped to free captive Christians and possibly even be martyred. He was soon advised that his desire for martyrdom was not spiritually well-based, and he returned to Spain in the relatively prosaic activity, working at a religious goods store. Yet he was still not settled. Moved initially by a sermon of St. John of Avila, he one day engaged in a public beating of himself, begging mercy and wildly repenting for his past life. Committed to a mental hospital for these actions, John was visited by St. John, who advised him to be more actively involved in tending to the needs of others rather than in enduring personal hardships. John gained peace of heart and shortly after left the hospital to begin working among the poor. He established a house where he wisely tended to the needs of the sick, the poor, at first doing his own begging, but excited by the saint's great work and inspired by his devotion, many people began to back him up with money and provisions. Behind John's outward acts 
of total concern and love for Christ's sick and poor, was a deep interior prayer life which was reflected in his spirit of humility. These qualities attracted helpers who, 20 years after John's death, formed the Brothers Hospitals, now a worldwide religious order. John became ill after 10 years of service, but he tried to disguise his ill health. He began to put the hospital's administrative work into order and appointed a leader for his helpers. He died under the care of a spiritual friend and admirer, Lady Anna Arasio. His feast day is March 8th. St. John of God, who repented of his sins to live a life of holiness serving the sick and the poor. Our Saint of the Week. Homily of the Week. Today's homily is based on the readings for the third Sunday of Lent, as we hear about Jesus as he enters the area of the temple. One of the challenges that one has noted during this whole pandemic is the spikes up and down of the prevalence of the illness. The spikes seem to come when people basically go on holidays or gather in family traditions, like they get together for New Year's or Christmas. And when they get together, of course, they're not necessarily wearing masks. We noted that the highest COVID outbreak in quite a long time was in January after Christmas, when people had basically not followed the rules and traveled and gathered together to celebrate the holidays. Certainly understandable that people would want to do it, but yet it created more virus. We human beings, coronavirus has shown, really struggle with following the rules. In our first reading from the book of Exodus, we hear the Lord give Moses the Ten Commandments. He is telling the people what they need to be able to live in communion with him and with one another, to be what God created us to be, as I say after every podcast, truly free. And then we hear... In our Gospel of St. John, Jesus is in the temple area. He sees people selling and buying things instead of worshiping the Lord outside the temple, clearly disobedient to the Ten Commandments. And he confronts them by turning over their money, you know, all the money changers, and taking a whip out of cords. He's angry, and understandably so, because people are not following and reverencing the temple area. Jesus clearly is making a statement that we need to follow the commandments of God. So, I guess what we are called to think about on this third Sunday of Lent are, are we following God's commandments? Sometimes, truth be told, we're following the commandments more of ourselves and of the world around us. The commandments of the world are something like this. My life's all about me. I can do what I want. I'm free, right? It's a free country. It's my life. 
my choice, my body, my freedom. You're not going to tell me what to do. Hey, I've only got one life here on earth and I need to enjoy it and enjoy all the fun things there are to do in the world. And yeah, well, you're telling me that's not really a good thing to do, but you know what? I really enjoy it. I don't want to give that up. It's my life after all. And we go through things like that and justify our sinfulness year after year after year because we're not following sometimes the Lord's commandments. We're following our own egos, our own pleasures, what the world tells us is important, and we're not following the Lord. We are in, as we all know, my brothers and sisters, the Lenten season, a time to repent, to turn our lives toward God, and to get out of the way things that interfere with getting closer to God. And one of the things that interferes is when we are not following the Lord's commandments. Jesus boiled the Ten Commandments down into two. To love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and might, and to love one another as we love ourselves. If we are to live God's commandments, we must understand that God's commandments come first above everything else. When Jesus said to those in the temple area that he can destroy, the temple can be destroyed and in three days be built up again, what he was saying is, He is the new temple, Jesus Christ, not a building. And if we are to worship at that new temple, Jesus Christ, we must make him the center of our lives. We must love him above all else. We must love others with that same kind of love. My brothers and sisters, to be in Lent is an opportunity and gift to change, to grow in holiness, to die to sinfulness, to die to self. It means being willing to truly understand what is really important. God gave us this commandment not to control us, but so that we could be free, free from sin, free from addiction, free from slavery to one's ego and self, into the world around us. God came into the world to set us free. So as we celebrate our Lenten season, let us ask ourselves, are we willing to hear God's commandments to love him and others? And are we willing to obey them, putting them as paramount in our lives, being willing to turn our lives over to him, He who gave his life for us to free us from our sins and to offer us by his grace the gift of eternal life. And now let us listen to Aaron Hale and Friends who sings what we always need to remember. I need thee every hour. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I 
Catholics in the news. A French nun who is believed to be the world's second oldest person recently celebrated her 117th birthday in style. There were plans for champagne and red wine, a feast with her favorite dessert, a mass in her honor, 
and other treats to toast Sister Andre's exceptional longevity through two world wars in a recent bout with coronavirus. It's a big day, David Tavella, the communication manager for the nuns' care home, said, in the southern French city of Toulon. She's in great shape. I went to see her this morning. She's really happy. She wanted me to tell her the schedule for the day again. It was packed. Some of Sister Andre's great-nephews and great-great-nephews joined in a morning video call for her. The Bishop of Toulon celebrated Mass in her honor. She was very proud when I told her. She said, A Mass for me? Sister Andre's birth name is Lucille Randon. The gerontology research group, which validates the tales of people thought to be 110 years of age or older, lists her as the second oldest known human living person in the world, behind only an 118-year-old woman in Japan. Tavella related that Sister Andre tested positive for coronavirus, but she had so few symptoms that she didn't even realize she was infected. Her survival made headlines both in France and beyond. When the whole world suddenly started talking about this story, I understood that Sister Andre was a bit like an Olympic flame on a round-the-world tour that people want to grab hold of because we all need a bit of hope at the moment, Tavella said. Sister Andre, who survived two world wars and COVID-19, even though she is 117 years old. This week's Catholics in the News. Truth in the media. For Sister Vimala Joseph, consecrated life is about the beauty of Jesus. We worship the Lord in beauty, she said. Sister Joseph joined the Sister Disciples of the Divine Master, a member of the Pauline community, and has been doing sacred art for 35 years. Beginning in 1982, she studied architecture in Milan, Italy, and completed a course on the basics of sculpture painting, and architecture. Sister Joseph is a member of the community at House of Prayer in Mumbai, in India, where she has had a workshop where she and her team do painting, mosaic artwork, and stained glass works, as well as interior design, fiberglass artwork, stained glass, and statues. Beauty attracts and helps people realize divine good does prevail, she said. Through my sacred art, Sister related, I hope to bring the kingdom of God to earth, including restoring the beauty that is present in creation and even adding to it. Even non-Christians are drawn into the beauty of sacred art. Sacred art cultivates the ability to imagine a future and so transcend the present moment and infuse hope, she continued. I realize that we had such a big chapel but nothing in it about our spirituality. Our spirituality is mainly of Jesus, the Master, Mary, Queen of the Apostles, and St. Paul. These are the three pillars for our spirituality, she said. Our founder, Blessed James Arbulion, emphasized that the Apostle Paul was the founder of the house, the Pauline family, the house where the light of the gospel must shine as the house where each of us lives 
and also a house open to the world. We are all called to the Christian apostolate, she explained. She said she realized that St. Paul wasn't president of the community's chapel. They had Queen of the, Mary, Queen of the Apostles, and Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament in a beautiful depiction of Christ crucified, but no St. Paul. So she was inspired to create an image of St. Paul, something permanent. So she took up the work in mosaic. With mosaic, Sister Joseph said, there's no need of maintenance, and artwork looks beautiful. It's definitely painstaking and time-consuming, but very beautiful once finished. God continues to bless me with new ideas to design innovative churches across India. It feels good linking my spiritual yearnings with the design themes. In fact, I feel spiritually fulfilled when designing churches, she said. Sister Vamalo Joseph, bringing Jesus to others through art. This week's truth in the media. The Southern Poverty Law Center has again named mainstream organizations to its list of hate groups in the 2020 publication of its annual Year of Hate and Extremism report. The report, which was recently released, purports to create an easy-to-search list of hate groups in the United States, broken down by state. While the list includes neo-Nazis, white supremacists, and chapters of the Ku Klux Klan, the 2020 list also includes mainstream organizations such as Alliance Defending Freedom, CFAM, Liberty Council, and the Ruth Institute. These groups are listed under the header Anti-LGBTQ, as they are opposed to same-sex marriage. ADF, for example, believes that all people are made in the image and likeness of God, and that everyone is worthy of dignity and respect. So let me get this straight. Groups like Alliance Defending Freedom are labeled a hate group because they follow church teaching about marriage. No way! If this continues, the Catholic Church will eventually be considered a hate group. This is crazy! I don't get it! Truth Topic of the Week Catholic teenagers mirror American teenagers overall on many religious trends, a report recently from the Pew Research Center said. A Pew report published in late 2020 examined the religious identities and beliefs of American teenagers and their parents. U.S. teens take after their parents religiously, attend services together, and enjoy family rituals is the name of the report. But the Pew report added that teens usually do so at parents' behest, and many of them privately hold different beliefs. The statistics show that Catholic teenagers are more likely to mirror teenagers overall in their religious beliefs than, say, evangelical Christian teenagers. Of teenagers ages 13 to 17 in the United States, 
24% say that religion is very important to them. 36% say it's somewhat important. Among Catholic teenagers, it's only slightly more, with 27% saying religion is very important. Subsequently, many Catholic teenagers, 40%, 46% actually, say religion is somewhat important than do their peers, 36%. While 18% of teenagers overall say religion is not at all important to them, only 4% of Catholic teens answered it that way. And Catholics are only slightly more likely than their teenage counterparts to overall believe in God with absolute certainty, 45% to 40%, and attend religious services weekly, 40% to 34%. Only 4 in 10 about 41%, of Catholic teenagers say it is necessary to believe in God to be moral, and 31% say that only one religion is true. The Pew survey also confirms a growing trend of the nuns, that's people with no religious affiliation. One-third, 32%, of teenagers surveyed are nuns, with 6% identifying as atheists, 4% as agnostic, and 23 as, quote, nothing in particular, unquote. Teens are nearly half as likely as your religious parents to say that religion is very important in their lives, with 43% of parents answering that way to only 24% of the teenagers. Of parents who said religion is very important in their life, only 45% of their teens answered in the same way and 41% of the teens said religion was somewhat important to them. The state of American Catholic teenagers struggling to overcome the challenges of our postmodern age. Our Truth Topic of the Week. Well, we finished episode 234 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. If you have any feedback about the podcast you wish to share, please email me at DeaconStevew, all lowercase, D-E-A-C-O-N-S-T-E-V-E-W, at gmail, G-M-A-I-L, dot com. Let us pray. Lord, help us to discern the truth, the truth you call us all to live. Help us to live in this truth so that we can be as you created us to be, truly free. And let us ask our Lady's help in this journey. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Until next time, this is Deacon Steve. I invite you to join me as we discover together what is truth.